Cool. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Um, this is obviously the actor awareness uh, Q and A's that we're doing sort of weekly. Uh, we are back with um, with Ronnie uh, and Scott here, who are the artists and directors of uh, Soul and Arts Theatre. So, I guess the the sort of first question. Tell uh, obviously, I know you guys, but uh, do you want to tell us a bit about yourselves? Uh, we'll start with you, Ronnie. Uh, about me personally, or yeah, about both, yeah, about you personally. Yeah. Before going, so, um, I've kind of been working in the industry since I was nineteen. I started off as a dancer, did a bit of singing, and then went to drama school, university and drama school, and then um, then we kind of like did a bit of work, and then took over Salford Arts Theatre. Like one day we didn't have a theatre, the next day we did. It was kind of like <laughs> that quick. There was no. Um, there was no plan to run a small theatre, um, so I've been in the industry, uh, I'm 48 now, so I've been in the industry since I was 19. Amazing. Um, yeah. And what about you, Scott? Yeah, again, um, been acting since I was near to a grasshopper, as they say, um, in and out the industry, working in the industry over 20 years, then 2007, the opportunity came up where somebody was leaving the theatre and I'd been made redundant from my day job and it just seemed like a no-brainer because we were, we were using the theatre anyway. Ronnie was working there, um, so we knew it and it just seemed like a no-brainer and we're there 13 years later still doing it. Yeah, I'll come back to how you guys got involved in the theatre, um, but just sort of like how's, how's lockdown been for you guys? Not... Not just not just the theatre wise, but personally, what have you, did you guys get up to much over lockdown? Or I think we both had very different experiences, Ronnie and I. I, um, I I'm not going to lie, I went into meltdown really um, and did nothing. I kind of crawled inside a shell and did nothing for the first three months. Yeah, I was in lockdown with my mum. Uh, she's actually got dementia, um, and me and my sister both care for her. Mm. But my sister's a postie, so uh, she had to go back to work. So yeah. uh, I was kind of in lockdown there, but I was doing Zoom stuff with uh, our young performers company. So trying to keep them still engaged um, in the arts. Um, I was still kind of like supporting Libby in her writing, um, who's was one of our young performers um, who's gone on to kind of write her own plays and continuing to do that as well as um, teaching at the theatre now, teaching the uh, young performers. So, yeah, so I, 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 I was pretty busy, really. Um, yeah. I tried to keep myself busy. Yeah. Um, Did you manage to do much creative stuff over lockdown at all? So we created, like, with the young performers, they did a bit of writing, like, kind of, like, looking at their view of, of what COVID was to them and being kind of in lockdown and doing schoolwork. Um, I also worked with another actor called um, Megan, um, and I worked with a writer called Alex Clark. Uh, she wrote a piece and we kind of like, me and uh, Megan, she, Megan did all the filming, but I, we, we kind of directed via kind of Zoom and phone calls really, you know, the kind of thing that I wanted her to kind of film and then she'd go off and film, she'd send it through to me. Then we'd kind of tweak it and I'd edit it at the end. So I, I did, we did a bit did a bit of that as well. So, yeah. yeah. What about you, Scott? Did you do anything creative or was it just more for you to just, yeah? Nothing, mate. Just a matter of surviving. Yeah. For the first, for the first three months, I was, um, I don't know why, but I took it quite difficult, really. Um, 
I, don't, I, I mean, that's not uncommon at all. I, I don't think anyone's taken kindly to it. And um, I think people's mental health, um, especially, has taken a massive hit from it. And I think it's been a, a big time for reflection for a lot of people as well with the industry. And I think that's more, in some ways, more important is just keep yourselves sane. Do you know what I mean? It's such a. Yeah. I mean, especially. Yeah, I I oh, saying, we're still in Manchester, aren't we? So we're still in lockdown. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's hard. Um, well, you see the rest of the country flourishing, and we're all in our little bubble up here, and just like, right, great. Well, I'm sure you're all having a lovely time, but we can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th I think yeah. I'm one of those people that needs to be around creatives to be creative. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, there's what would your advice be to creatives at the moment who are in lockdown? Like, um, you know, any advice for them? Um, look after your mental health would be my first piece of advice to anybody throughout this. Really I, look after your mental health. I think health. as well as like not, I mean, it, this advice really would be even without like the kind of the, the pandemic. I think what creatives tend to do is they're, they're so busy, busy trying to get to the end, end goal that they, they miss their life in a sense and like you know you're so you're so driven on I want this I want to get here I want to get there I want to be able to do I've done this um that I think you forget to kind of live your life mm -hmm. in a way and I think it's really important to get a balance and I, I and I think it's the same the same before the pandemic and actually probably more so more so now really as well yeah yeah and obviously, obviously, I know you guys run run the theatre and stuff. How has the how has the pandemic affected the theatre? What's the sort of current situation with Salford Arts? Well, it closes down completely. Um, we closed down quite. We closed down before the sixteenth of March, I think. Um, yeah. Looking at what other theatres in London were doing, and it just felt like the right thing to do. So we closed down very early in March, and we weren't there at all for three months. Um, then we, we started going back in gradually, trying to get the place ready. Um, and now at the moment, we're just opening the bar area. Um, yeah. Three days a week. And we, we've got in lots of um, equipment due to the pandemic, sort of screens, so we can create little booths within the bar area inside so that we're keeping everybody that social distance, but we can still have people that can come in and at least feel like they're in a theatre even though they're not watching any theatre at the moment. Yeah. We've, we've started back with the Young Performers Company. So that was the first thing that we wanted to, when, when obviously we could, um, go back to kind of doing out of school activities, um, which is kind of placed within that really to a certain degree. So we wanted to get the space ready for that. Um, so all our seats, retractable seats are all back. Um, everywhere was, you know, deep cleaned, uh, sanitizer stations everywhere I mean we're a relatively small venue but we've kind of like really pushed as far as we need to go really because we just want to make sure that everybody's safe yeah the space um so at the moment the young performers are back um now that the easing of the local lockdown uh has kind of ended I think it I don't know what date it is now today is it the ninth I think it ended yesterday but obviously there's new things now that have come out about you know, no crowds of six, you know, together. Yeah. 
um, and obviously we haven't got the full details of that. So it kind of puts you at another standstill really, like do you want to organise other things? Um, it's Yeah, it's a bit of a difficult situation because you're constantly juggling what's, what's going to change from day to day. Yeah. You know, all these ideas of what you'd like to do, you know, on a small scale. Um, but then, you know, each day something different kind of comes out with the government. Uh, of course, of not course. Not 100% sure, like, is it worth you doing anything? Um, although saying that, we have got things booked in from the changing of the dates for the Greater Manchester Fringe, which was originally July. We had a huge amount of productions and performances booked in over that time for us. Um, we kind of like were booking different different things in this year and really wanted to go for it. We had we had other things booked in obviously early on in the year. Um, some of those things are not coming back. Some of the Greater Manchester Fringe uh, shows are hopefully going to happen depending on whether anything changes again but yeah. uh, hopefully there there are going to be social distance uh, performances happening uh, now in November so we've made sure that they're all in November which gives us hopefully enough time to get a small number of bums on seats um, one of the is that, is that a thing so with the, what's the capacity for for a full social distance what would a sellout be well, at the moment, we've, we've, oh, looked, we've looked at 40, but we're going to go back into the thick because we're getting rid of a lot of things that are taking up space uh, to try and uh, utilise as much space as possible. Yeah. We wouldn't go any more than 40, possibly would be slightly less than that. Um, I think it is 40. But we maximum think capacity. maximum, we, we definitely wouldn't go over, uh, over, that, over that limit. Um, because what we've got to think about is not just about the social distancing within getting the theatre, it's getting people out and obviously people going to the toilet. Yeah. Bar-wise, we wouldn't have the bar open. We're, we're trying to come up with a way of that people would pre-book their, um, their drinks. And, and, and so it'd be either a table service or they'd kind of have a, a bag of goodies, which would have yeah. their free dinner. Birthday bags. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, we're, we're trying to come up with ideas, ways really to keep whoever's working on the night, which pros, pro, will definitely be me and Scott, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we want to keep everybody safe and we want to make sure that people have a good, relaxed experience because obviously it's a strange, it's going to be a strange experience, but we want yeah, it to, try, to, to, to be as, as relaxed and as, as enjoyable as possible. And I think that's mental, because it? it's so... If people are coming in for the bar, obviously bars are massive revenue for you as well. So what would happen if someone wanted a drink? Would you, would they, I mean, I presume you can't get an app, but would they just, if they haven't pre-booked, would they not be able to get a drink or? Well, they would be pre-booking. So take that detail. What, what, yeah, what we're going to do is, um, well, yeah, anybody who kind of turns up on the night and hasn't pre-booked any tickets, for one, initially they wouldn't be, allowed to enter the space unless um, we need to double check that there is enough room for them for one. And yeah. um, then we obviously get take their details uh, with regards to track and trace. Yeah. And we would take their pre-order um, and then they would be able to enter the building obviously once they've sanitised, etc. And yeah, yeah. appropriate way in. I presume it's one way system because I know the theatre. So you could, I presume you go in that way and then go around and you go out as well. Yeah. So, it's coming in through the um, door on the 
veranda, you know, the, the central door. Yeah, yeah. That'll be the entrance. And then what used to be the door into the building is now the exit. Yeah, yeah. And if, if basically if people are not going to have a drink uh, after the show, they will be um, asked to leave through the fire exit. Which is in the auditorium Which is itself. in the auditorium itself. Yeah. So, yeah, it's quite a lot of management, really. Uh, and actually, we can't fit 40 people in the bar area. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, it's small, would, isn't it? Yeah. Some people would have to sit outside. Yeah. Right. On the, on the <laughs> and we all know what Northern Weather's like, so you won't be sitting outside. <laughs> um, so, in terms of, I mean, what... <laughs> Um, and what are you guys doing at the moment to sort of survive? I know you've got. Yeah, we've, uh, we're, oh, we've... I think we're frozen. There we oh, are. There we go. We're back again. You back? There we go. Sorry, don't happen then. Um, <laughs> what are you guys doing at the moment to sort of survive? Into I know you've got the bar open. Is there anything else you've got in terms of revenue wise? No, we've obviously um, for us we're self-employed, so we've had um, some of the self-employed um, income support scheme from the government. Uh, from the um, but other than that, um, obviously the young performers, um, without them, I mean, you know, we, those kids' parents have, have continued paying for all the classes oh. uh, since lockdown. Mm. Um, and all the children, a bar, just a couple, and that was their own personal reasons why they just didn't feel comfortable being online doing classes. Yeah. Everybody engaged in them Zoom mm. classes and all the parents... We had really lovely emails actually saying that, you know, whatever happens, we'll try and pay as long as we can. Um, so, yeah, that was, yeah. That was pretty special, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was nice. We've had support, you know, the support of other people. Because um, we've had support from, um, like, people like Up Here Productions have been really helpful as well. Yeah, John, I know John quite. I used to go to college with John. Yeah, yeah. So it's been lovely, you know, the outpouring of support you get from some people has been great. Yeah, that's amazing. And just sort of like, when are you expecting performances back? So we've got performances booked in. Some There were some booked in in October, but I'm now, funny enough, today, that's been confirmed. One of them's now moving to November. So we've got like, I think it's three performances booked in uh, for November, which are part of the Greater Manchester Fringe. One of those performances, the tickets are free because um, we want to try and get bums on seats. Yeah. Uh, the production company, the um, the actual company, have managed to get funding. Oh, right. Uh, so basically, the, the, when she put the bid in, she put the bid in knowing that she wanted to try uh, and get bums on seats by off offering the tickets free. So everything's covered. Nobody's losing out. Everybody's... You know, everybody's got their costs sorted and, and the actors are being paid and all those kind of things. It's a matter of like trying to encourage people to come back and not be frightened and fearful of, yeah. you know, coming back into the, into a theatre space. So one of those performances is free. Um, the other two, um, the tickets are, are quite reasonably priced. Obviously, we are going to look at doing offers as well, because again, like I say, we want bums on seats. Um, so, yeah, so November, basically. So it gives us hopefully uh, eight weeks, nine weeks, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And Tony just said, "There, are you going to do any live streaming of the of audiences or anything like that? Have you tried or thought about that?" So, yeah, we are looking into that at the moment. We're looking at sort of 
several different options, um, but streaming is certainly one of them. Yeah. At the moment, we don't personally have the equipment. Um, yeah, of course. Film the, the um, you know, the performances. I mean, but that's that's part of our plan. Um, for the future, full stop. I think, like you know, with with or without the pandemic, I think we've, we've we're now moving forward because of what's happened. It's like it's a new way of working. And I think that's the thing that you've got to do. Definitely mm -hmm. for smaller venues that don't have money, don't have the resources, and don't have things like the equipment. It's like it's like now you've got to plan forward and like kind of go. This is a new way of working. So hopefully we'll have a mixture of live performances as well as. Um, performances being streamed as well but that we are most definitely looking uh, to that into the future yes we're, we're looking at maximizing the space we've got so if we could stream we could possibly then stream into the foyer and yeah. the outside space at the same time so then you could have in effect a three-tiered system seating system so you could have maybe bronze, silver and gold. Your bronze being VIPs paying a higher ticket price sitting in the auditorium with the act and others then still watching live but watching on screens in the foyer and on the veranda area. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I hadn't heard that idea before, so that's actually quite a cool idea, actually. Um, and way that venues can obviously function. I mean, obviously, with the new rules coming to place and this this mayhem of this maximum six people and no one really knows that that's for the arts industry i mean what are the what do you think the massive effects are at the moment for i mean that that's that, i think that's the, the balance for theaters isn't it is it, do do theaters want to open at the moment um and do social distancing performances because they're going to lose out on money um, oh, and, and that's what i don't understand at the moment everyone's campaigning all theaters must be open blah 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 but do they because at the moment that's just going to prolong this whole pandemic even more yeah um and opening the theaters again is it worth it for, for venues i mean smaller venues like yourselves and bigger venues it's not worth it is it and that's what people don't understand and although i don't know what are your views on it it's such a myself i think um we're lucky being a small venue and it's just the two of us that run it because when we first took it over for years we didn't take away because that was the nature of the beast trying to get it up and running so there are enough people in the arts who do it because they love it you know we all want to get paid but the government know i think that we're passionate about what we do and we'll do it anyway whether they pay us or not and that's the problem whereas with your big theatres they've got staff to pay they've got all the admin so if they're not opening to a decent capacity, they're not going to be able to pay for it and they'll yeah. go to the wall. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think, I think in, a weird, in a weird way, this situation is actually harder, I, my opinion is, for, for the bigger theatres because they've got yeah. so many people working for, you know, working for them, whether that be freelancers or permanent, permanent staff, their overheads are much higher. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's much more bureaucracy involved, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think it's difficult for everybody, don't get me wrong. Um, but obviously smaller venues um, have a, just an, a smaller amount of staff, if, if not, don't have any staff, um, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's difficult for bigger, for, 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 for bigger theatres, if I'm, if I'm really honest. Yeah, definitely. And it's just, it's, again, yeah, if they open up, then like, like the National and all that sort of stuff, like... 
they can't do full capacity and they've got God knows how many staff working for them. And if they do and don't make the money, then they just collapse, don't they? So it's... Um, I think the reality is the government, I mean, you know, a lot of people have been kind of discussing this over the last couple of days. It's like the government just don't get it. And I think the thing is a lot of people don't get it. You know, I think we know ourselves, like, you know, as soon as you tell somebody you're an actor or you're a performer, it's like, oh, what have you been in? You know, it's like they don't get it. And I think they don't understand what's involved in putting on a performance. It doesn't matter how big the performance is. you still got, you know, you still need costume. You still need lights. You still need actors. You still need front of house staff. It, it, you know, in a way, it doesn't matter what level that is. You still need all those those people. And I think it's not that straightforward to go, well, we want theatres open by Christmas or we want this to happen. You know, it's like they're not going to you know, the bigger theatres are not going to be able to necessarily open by Christmas. And, and a lot of smaller theatres like ourselves are not going to be able, able to open full time because it takes more than a couple of months to, to get things organised and prepared. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because I, I, I'm a programme manager for a festival. So, I, you know, we're, we're planning for next July and, you know, you try and put these things in place. But actually, you've got no idea what, what it's going to be like because it could be like, like today, like you've gone from maximum 30 people gathering to six people and now you've got to try and work out by Monday what that happens. So, you know, you just don't know until there's a cure or whatever. You just, no idea. You're just playing day to day by, every, every day by ear, isn't it, really? Yeah, because so yeah, every day is a gamble on whether or not we're going to go back into full lockdown or not. It's yeah. just a I mean, if you look at, I mean, look at Bolton, they are back in full lockdown. That's around the corner from yeah. so just no idea is it really um so let's talk about Salford Arts Theatre then so do you, do you want to because some people might not know so tell everyone about what Salford Arts is how you guys got involved um and yeah just a, just a bit about Salford Arts I guess um so I before we took over the space I was working for a TIE company um, and doing a bit of teaching and that was at Salford Arts Theatre and um, then the opportunity came up um and it was kind of a no-brainer at the time. We went into it completely blind. <laughs> I mean, very literally, very, very blind and totally naive. I mean, obviously, as a as a, a performer, I've had lots of experience, like working temping jobs and you know uh, answering phones and all that kind of business. But um, yeah, it, it's an eye opener. You're literally wearing a thousand and ten hats. Um, I say that, but you know, I, I wouldn't change my time. Uh, as much as it's tiring um, and, you know, a lot of things you don't fully understand and you're trying to get your head around it, um, I definitely wouldn't change our time. And since um, since we moved in, since we've been running it, we started off, you know, producing a panto and that's built up, you know, because everybody loves a panto. And, and where the theatre is situated, it's situated right in the heart of Salford. Um, I mean, Salford's a very big city, but it's, it's situated in real Salford, as I call it. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, so we thought Panto was the best thing to produce initially. So that's what we did. And now that's been, that's built up. I mean, this year it was going to be our busiest time because um, we got some really good bookings um, from schools. We, you know, we, we had... Yeah, we had new bookings from schools this year, so that would have been a big thing, but we've lost out, obviously, on that now. That's what I was saying, um, and that's what a lot of regional venues do. That a lot of them rely on Panto every year to stay afloat because it's every regional theatre that I I know, their Panto is their biggest earner and what lets them catapult them, do 
other things during the year. So even this year, it's going to be even harder I mean, for regional venues. I mean, we're only a small venue. We seat 124, and uh, each year now we do approximately 42 to 46 shows, and they all sell out. Yeah. You know, um, and we're we like I say, we're a very small venue, but that's our biggest thing that we do. And then we produce um, a number of plays with our young performers. Um, that's another thing that we'd started when we when we first moved in because there was always there was already um, a youth like a youth group there already. So we've kind of built on that. It's now a young performers company, and we we it's, it's pure acting as well as encouraging writing, um, which obviously we did with Libby, um, who has won awards uh, at the Great Manchester Fringe a couple of years ago, and she, she won best newcomer, didn't she? She did best newcomer. And she was part of the ensemble. Uh, best ensemble as well and uh, she also won um a course as well uh, the second year round uh free writing, free writing course. course um and she's now on her third play third full play but she's wrote lots of other things in between in between all that so we're very much really kind of uh, encouraging and mentoring her she has a baby. What is she? Nine, 19? She must be like 19 now, a bit younger than that. 19 this month, funny yeah, enough. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we've been teaching Libby since she was about 10. Um, obviously now she's she's part of the teaching team. So she's a freelancer teaching our new Sunday class. Um, and she's her plays uh been part of like the Sheila Delaney Day and stuff like that. So that's how we first what we first did when uh, there's lots of new companies that come into the space, um, new, new writing as well as published stuff, as well as touring companies uh, from up and down the country. Um, we, we do published plays. We try to do published plays as well. In, Two or three a year. Um, and then there's young performers, they, they obviously do their shows as well. So, yeah, so that's the kind of stuff that we do really. We've had yeah. a ballet company in as well. Mm, yeah. <laughs> there Okay, so. um, people get hire the space in its in and of itself. So we've had um, seminars in the auditorium. We've had bands that have hired it to film videos on the stage and so on. So, yeah. to be honest, like most theatres, it's uh, sell yourself wherever you can. I guess. Yeah, mixed bag of stuff, definitely. And obviously, I know you guys. You are you are literally in the heart of Salford. Um, yeah. You know, work slap bang in the middle of working class areas and stuff like that. And, you, and I think you engage in the community so well. I mean, what, what kind of things do you offer to the local community for people that don't know? So we, we've recently, last couple of years, we've been kind of doing projects, intergenerational stuff. So working with the older community and the younger and bringing them together, um, which we thought works well for where we are, really. Um, Again, to go back to Panto, it's... It's most people's first taste of theatre. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so we, we're getting in, especially getting some of the skills in now, the local skills. We're giving the kids of Salford their first taste of theatre and hopefully we're converting some of those kids into theatre lovers. Yeah. What, I mean, do you, I know you, they start from Panto, but do you see that, because obviously they're not, they're not exactly stereotypical theatre goers. Do, do you see them returning to see some of the other stuff, like like a play or anything like that? We have done, yeah, because it, it's quite a small turnaround, but it's quite a joyous turnaround when you see, for, for 
you're used to the stereotype. You see a young lad in a baseball cap and kid of trainers coming in with his man watching the panto. And then you put on something like Hobson's Choice that he watched as a kid on the TV. So he'll come and see that. And it, it's such a great feeling because it's something you wouldn't expect. Mm. But we know that we're actually getting those audiences, which for me is great. It's what it's all about. Yeah, definitely. And I think engaging the local community and especially in times now where drama is cut at GCSE level, I do think that theatres like yourselves, you know, and more theatres step up to the plate and I suppose give people their first taste of theatre, which is now they can't learn for free at school. Do you know what I mean? And I think local theatres and regional theatres across the board are the uh, need to engage more in their local communities like yourselves because otherwise we're just going to lose a generation of people and it does then become... Uh, very elitist in some ways because you're just not getting the right people into theatre because they can't yeah. afford it. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, on the professional side, it's gone that way anyway, where unless you've you've got a certain, a certain amount in your bank account, you can't afford to go and train to be an actor. Yeah. Um, so, if audiences go that way as well, then my fear for theatre is that it'll disappear it totally so you've got to keep plugging away keep your prices low so that people can afford to come and see it but also put stuff on that they want to see that engages with them mm. so that they'll come back time and again yeah yeah definitely and um sort of the next thing is is what what sort of makes you guys different in manchester you know all the other you know you've got the lowry there you've got royal exchange you've got what makes you guys different to all those other venues We've not got as much money. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> uh, I, th I think our, our USP, if you like, is the fact that we are. Um, whilst we're a, a multi-purpose venue, you know, for professional and amateur, we're right in the heart of a community. And we're right in the heart of the community we serve. I don't think, I think sort of, um, there's, there's some great, little theatres that have popped up in the last 10 years in Manchester, um, but they're not necessarily at the heart of a community. Yeah. You've uh, got a community following, and rightly so, but they're not, they're not in the middle of housing. They're more sort of city centre theatres, if, if, if you get what I mean. Because I remember, it was it 53 too? They popped up for a bit, didn't they? And then I, I don't know where they went, but... Um... Yeah, they changed venue. Where are they now? Because they were under the arches, weren't they? But they've, I don't know where well, they are. I don't think they've officially opened it yet, have they? they are, no, they've got a new arches venue, but I think it's, um, I'm not quite sure whether the building was put on hold because of the pandemic yeah. or, or what, but the, that is, that venue will eventually open from, from what I can, from what I can see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah cool. so that, they'll definitely be back, which would be good to see, you know, that the more theatres on the scene, the better. Oh, definitely. And I think, and that's what I think's mental about Manchester. London is thriving with fringe theatres, but Manchester really doesn't have a fringe scene. There's only, what, maybe three that I can think of that are actual fringe theatres, like yourselves, 53-2, Kings at Kingshead. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't really know many fringe things, so that's why I think it's great. Uh, oh, the Hope Mill as well, the Hope Mill. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it's weird because I would, oh, we would have always thought fringe would thrive in the north, but it, it's sort of it's quite minimal, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I quite, think yeah. that kind of goes back to um, the socio-economic problems you've got 
with the industry. I think in Manchester, it got to a point sort of up to the 80s, I think, where people saw theatre as, oh, that's something that they go to, that the posh lot. So people kind of disengaged and it's been a long, slow battle really to try and get people to engage again. But I think we are getting there. Yeah. I mean, that leads most to the next question because obviously, you know, that we're actor awareness fight for working class talent and things like that. What is it that you guys do in terms of supporting working class talent within Manchester? Um, well, we recruit mainly actors from the circuit we're in. Um, so when we're putting on professional pieces, we, we put all our castings out within the area. We tend to, wherever possible, use young actors that we've worked with. So if once they hit a certain level, we'll take them on, we'll give them their first professional job in the industry, which also helps um, with the spotlight credits. So again, yeah. kind of boost those careers in a softly, softly way, really. But most most of the actors, if not all, of they're, they're all from Greater Manchester. Um, they're all working class actors. Yeah. Um, they're either born in Greater Manchester or they now live here. Um, you know, so that's generally how, how we work. We, we have a, a open castings. Um, you know, we always do auditions at the theatre. With the higher space as well, we, we, we keep it. We, we've got a couple of deals, but one is basically a door split so that young aspiring theatre companies don't need to pay, pay out beforehand. Um, and it's all reliant on what they get on the door so it's less of a gamble it's it's less trying to find a big pot of money to start off with with mm. the production so they can at least get something up and running and make a start on it and know that what they earn is going to pay for it yeah, yeah I, I think box office splits are key in, in starting out as any playwright or actors and because it yeah it does get those credits gets you the experience and, and it, get, it gets you a little bit of money and it also gives you the incentive to sort of market yourself if you don't market it properly then you ain't going to get any money and unfortunately exactly. it's the hard truth is that you have to you can't just sit back and right i've written my show now done done and dusted you have to gonna come. Yeah. yeah exactly it's, hard, it's hard work marketing you know it's, it's really really hard work you know being in this industry full stop is is hard work and i think you know, that's why you've got to love it. It's not, mm. it's not the same as, you know, your, your typical nine to five job where, where you can, you know, go through your day and just be a bit of a robot sometimes, you know, you can just get, get through it. But I think with, with the creative industry, personally, you've, you've really got to love it to stick at it. You know, yeah, you've, you, it's got to be in your blood, you know, in your veins, like, you know, it sounds a bit, arty farty me saying that but it really has you know you've got to really truly love and 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 want to uh, encourage and um you know build on those relationships working with people you know yeah and that leads on again to the next bit because no my my big thing as well for people creating their own work and and coming into this industry at the at the sort of grassroots and fringe level and all that no one teaches you how to be a producer no one no. teaches you how to be, you know, an artistic director or, you know, whatever. You just sort of fall into it, unfortunately. And you've got to learn on your feet. And there's not enough, I don't think there's not enough support programs from, especially in London, they just eat you up if you're not wised up on the scene. Um, and, the, you know, I've been, unfortunately, I've learned, I've, well, unfortunately, I've learned from my mistakes and things like that. So I suppose my question is, what would your advice be for anyone 
creating their own work, obviously, you know, being a producer or emerging or emerging talent, anything like that, really? My my piece of advice was would be use the people around you. Um, yeah. Don't think you've got to go it all alone. It's, there's loads of people out there that are, are really helpful and really willing to give you advice. So, you know, if you've got funding bids to write, find someone that's good at writing a funding bid. Yeah. Get advice. Um, if, if you're putting on your first play, speak to people that you know have put on plays before, see what their pitfalls were and so on. I, th I think it's... Yeah. We've got such a supportive industry in and of itself that use that support while it's there. Yeah, yeah and I think, I think sometimes I think like universities and drama schools are missing a trick really because it's great that you, you, you know, you teach them how to act and you know technique and all those things and learn about different genres and and all that business but like a lot of young people come out try to find work try to find agent can't do can't do that and then somebody goes oh just make your own work and it's like oh right okay yeah i'll do that and then it's like but, but how do i do that you know and it's kind of like i think some universities i think are doing that now but um i think they are missing a trick to really educate young people who are going in this industry to you know give give them pointers give them a, a bit of direction of like or even just a module or something on 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 producing like i say i think i think there are some universities out there now that do ha do do that but I, I definitely still think they're missing a trick because we've met so many young actors that just seem completely blind and then i think was i like that and then i'm like well, actually, I wasn't an actor at that time. I was a dancer, so it was a completely different yeah. kind of thing I was doing. I wasn't producing my own work in that sense at that point. By the time I was producing my own work, you know, I was a fully blown adult. You know, we, you know, I'd already been an administrator, or I'd had a go at that. So you kind of learn how to methodically think things out, and you know, and all those kind of things. But you know, a lot of young performers now are coming out, and they've not got they've not got a clue but I agree with Scott is that you know if you do find your group a group of people is like ask for advice don't be frightened to ask somebody you know because people are there to help and want to help people mm. you know um don't struggle yeah definitely I mean I mean how did you I mean uh, you know as artistic directing what have you how did you guys fall into artist director and how did you sort of, I know you guys just sort of fed into it, but how did you sort of, I mean, you've, you've obviously done it successfully, but how did you sort of stay afloat? How did you learn on the job sort of to be an artistic director? Initially it was firefighting. Yeah. Um, as and when problems arose, you just deal with them without sort of thinking ahead. But now we've got, Ronnie likes a notebook, so she'll, she'll plan everything in advance. <laughs> um, and then, if something goes awry, you're dealing with having to deal with a lot smaller fires, if you like. I think if I'm honest, it's take it's taken 13 years. It's taken to this time to really, truly realise, you know, what 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 there is involved in in running a small venue. You know, you for us, like I say, there's main, there's mainly me, me and Scott. We do we do work with freelancers. We do bring people in. Like over Christmas, we have quite a lot. Definitely in December, quite a lot of people working for us. But majority of the time, you know. We are cleaning the toilets, yeah. marketing, website, invoicing, programming, acting, teaching, 
writing, fixing leaking roofs, fixing leaking roofs. <laughs> you name it. You know, we 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 wear the hat, but I think most people do in small venues. You know, you kind of have to have to wear that. I have to wear those 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 hats. Sometimes you, if you're in a position to delegate, you know, and bring people in, you know, you do. But obviously, there's a cost involved, and you know, unfortunately, you've, we've not always got those resources. So we then have to think. You know, when me and Scott were younger, there wasn't Google. You know, we didn't have a mobile phone when we were younger. Yeah. You know, the thing is now, these Google. You know, if I don't understand something, I swear to God. That's what I do, you know, and it's only like when I was at school, I didn't, I didn't want to learn really, you know, I was bored by school, but like now I, I love learning something new and understanding things and, and because that enables me and, and Scott to improve, you know, the theatre, you know, the, the theatre has been, was built in the seventies and officially opened in 1976. It's an asset to the area. And it's really, truly an important building, I think, personally. Yes, there's the Lowry, but, you know, unfortunately, as much as the Lowry do a lot of engaging with, with the community and work with groups, I, my opinion is that, that a space like Salford Arts Theatre, which is right at the, at the grassroots, is, is, is much more important than, the, than, 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 than that venue, because to me, sometimes they're, they're ticking a box you know, I like to think that there's, a, there's definitely sincerity in what we do. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And obviously you talk about supporting within and within the local community and things like that. Who, and I know you're massive on supporting emerging talent and things like that, who's been your sort of biggest success story, who you, who you sort of helped them and their achievements and things like that? I probably know you're going to say, but... Well, it's just Libby. Yeah. Libby yeah. is like, you know, that girl, you know, she continues, she's going to do great things her writing has improved so much since the age of 16 and bear in mind she wrote her first play at 16 before that she was already writing stuff we we realized that she could write at that point you know like a little bit earlier than that she wrote something for Sheila Delaney Day like um it was like a monologue kind of quite quite it's like a it's like a poem really wasn't it mm. but it was it was amazing you know and the parents that came to watch and the people that came to watch it's like oh did you help her with that I was like no I did not you know it was all <laughs> her writing and it was after that point we were like do you want to write a play you know it was like do you want to write a play and she was like yeah let's do it I guess it's relative though Tom because um again one of the the kids that I think of as one of our most successful was a girl she she doesn't come to classes now but when she first came Ronnie was getting them doing poems on the stage. She had to hide off stage behind the curtain with a microphone. She couldn't let anybody see her. And she ended up doing full plays. Now, she's not using her acting any longer. Um, it was just something she did while she was younger. But that, to me, was massively successful, getting that little girl to actually find a voice in front of an audience and get something from it. So it, it's, it's kind of relative, it's, I guess. Yeah, success is coming all different ways, you know. That yeah you know like you know people who have gone on to, to work at different places there's lots of people on the circuit that have performed at Salford Arts Theatre and, and gone on to do you know great things you, you know so and that's not necessarily because because of us but you know they they worked at the space in some way shape or form performing through either different companies or even working with ourselves so and I've, I've always said this and, and 
you can't in some ways it's because you can't put acting into stats like you can in math and science and english but what what i don't and i don't think government or you know a lot of people not in the industry understand is that if you do drama as a as a child or as any any time in your life you will become a better bus driver or teacher or businessman because you're able to speak as a social it teaches you social skills which i actually think in this day and age is needed more than ever because i see kids time and time again who just talk to each other through fucking tiktok and you know and and facebook and messaging and all that and they don't speak to each other face to face my my sister's 14 years old and she's terrified of going on the phone um to speak to anyone like or face to face and i think that's terrible that's such a sad state of affairs and you try and push people into drama but they just it's 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 a very weird situation i think drama is there to benefit people's lives and the government or people outside the industry just thinks it's a hobby and it's not a hobby it actually improves you as a person so oh it improves lots of things you know from from uh you know reading well matt's a prime example isn't he Mm. when he first came to us he his, his dyslexia is quite severe but now you give him a script and he can read it you know he's, he's reading he's reading and understanding of words has, in, has improved so that you know it's it's more than performing on stage and we've, oh. had, we've had other young people who when they've finished classes they've said it, it I've not gone on and used drama now I'm working but I found that I couldn't have done those role plays at the interview if I hadn't have done the drama. Yeah. So we're, we're helping to create employable young people as well. Yeah, definitely. And also just make, you make friends. Like it's, yeah. it's also, if you, you know, some people can't do football or sports and all that sort of stuff. The alternative is, is sometimes drama and it's such an, and people are always so supportive in drama. You never meet many dickheads. Um, usually, I mean, later on in life you do. Um, but but not really at grass level or you know in drama classes it's always a really supportive place yeah um and i suppose when when sort of applying when people are applying to salford arts what are the thing or the biggest things you look out for when when you're when you're exploring new work uh relevance really i think with new work sort of what what it's trying to say and who it's trying to speak to um because we we want we're looking for things that will suit our particular audience i guess the demographics yeah Yeah. you know um what we think i mean sometimes it's good to to kind of think outside the box but i think most of the time you want to try and for us as a small venue is is look at wanting something that would would interest those who were going to come to the mm-hmm. theatre or come to the theatre. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then just for my last question, if anyone wants to ask any questions before we go, by the way, put them in the chat and I'll go through them towards the end. Um, and then sort of my, my final question for you guys is how can people get involved in, in Salford Arts? Um, so depending on how they, what they are and who they are, you know, if they want to uh, come on our list to be a technician for shows because when people hire the space or uh, programmed in sometimes they need technicians uh, email us acting wise your best bet really initially at the moment is just to wait for like castings that are coming out you know we put a lot out on facebook and a lot of the groups on facebook as well as on our website um 
Yeah, go on the website to see sort of anything that's coming anything up. Anything that's up to date. And it's usually on the um, Salford Theatre Company page. Um, if you want to send your CV and details, then by all means do. Um, anybody who's interested in writing, um, please do, you know, send over a bit of info about yourselves um, and about uh, the work that you've either done or you're doing. If you want to send a short e extract, then please do. Um, yeah, so literally just contact us straight away. You know, even though the email, the email address is like an info at sulfordartstheatre.com, but it's just me. <laughs> it just makes you, you know, sound better though doesn't it if you do that yeah, I, I pick up you know we pick up all the emails there's me and scott so you know they get looked at we'll send you a, you know a quick response so you know that we we've, we've got it um if you want to talk to us about anything if you want to put a play on you know don't hesitate to, to you know get in contact with us alternatively friday saturday and sunday come down and have a pint in the bar and have a chat with us yeah, hey, i actually i'm going to come down soon you know now that now that because i'm uh, in lee at the moment and we're out of lockdown so that's buzzing oh, cool you know the v1 bus it goes right near salford arts so uh, yeah. yeah 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 perfect get off at the crescent yeah booming um, brilliant. Well, that's it. Thank you so much, guys. Honestly, that was lovely. It's lovely to chat to you. I think everyone's sort of enjoyed themselves as well. Um, next Thank week, you. who have we got next week? Next week, I've got Matt from the Lowry, who's a producer. We've got a Q&A with him. And I've also got a Q&A with Mark Shenton, who's a, um, a sort of theatre journalist. He's been in the industry for ages. Yes. Who's interested in yeah, journalism? Tune into that as well. Um, but apart from that, thank you, Ronnie and Scott. It's incredible to speak to you again, and I'm sure I'll speak to you soon anyway. But um, okay. thank you so much. Cool. Nice Thanks very much. Cheers, Tom. See Bye, you. guys. Yeah. Thank you. Bye -bye.